Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and you're listening to Pitch List. We want to discover what makes creative people tick. Join us as we explore what it means to be a writer, and more importantly, what it means to be a person. Remember why you love music, and welcome to Pitch List. Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and this is the 25th episode of Pitch List. We've got another great guest for you today, Big Loud recording artist Jillian Jacqueline. Jillian joined us the other morning here at Amy Land. She played a couple songs and really just knocked us out. She's a fantastic singer and writer. Her records are interesting, deep, and somehow still commercial. I could not have been more impressed with her. So without any further ado, here's Jillian Jacqueline. Good morning. Hi. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you? you? Great. You just sang a song and blew us away. Oh, thanks. Let me backtrack. Jillian Jacqueline is here this morning. Very early after the ASCAP Awards. <laughs> yeah, so, I always say the talking that you do at these these award weeks is worse on your voice than the singing that you have to do. And you know how it is. I talked a lot last night to a lot yeah. of people I haven't oh, seen yeah. in a while. So, you know, <clears throat> little uh, rusty. You get the uh, you get the trooper award for being here at nine a.m. <laughs> ready you. to rock and sing. Yeah, I love. You know, uh, last couple days I've been going over your songs and listening to a lot of your songs. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you I so love much. your voice. Thanks. I love your take. I love. Um, you know, there's a traditional thing about what you do, but there's something really modern about what you do, mm. and it's really great. I bet you have a lot of fans. I bet you uh, have a lot of country fans, but I bet a lot of people listen to you go in a lot of genres. Yeah, that's it's that's true. And there's there's a lot of people that like I can get up on stage at a show and I'll sing "Crazy" by Patsy Cline, you know, because that's one of my favorite songs, and that'll speak to. A whole group of people and then I'll play you know my song reasons which was at radio this year and it's complete like people that never listen to country music so I'm definitely in that interesting place where depending on what songs I choose to sing at a show it appeals to certain people in the audience you know Um, which I I really like I think it's really cool that there's people that don't necessarily listen to country but find something that they love about what I do I think it's great too and I also think that um lyrics can transcend genres and what it's great for you bringing in probably younger listeners from other genres what they may like that they don't know is the country lyric sensibility Mm. storytelling and and, you know i'm i'm prejudiced as a country writer but maybe a little bit better of a lyric yeah you know or something that's a little more thought out oh there's something for a dreamy rock thing lyric but totally i think i can appreciate that i mean i one of my favorite people of all time artists of all time is brian adams and he's like the king of great love pop songs you know and rock you know so i i fully respect that but you're right i think that there is something that I dig for growing up listening to country music. There's something in the back of my mind where I'm like, it has to reach that caliber where the story is laid out and every line is very rich, you know, Mm -hmm. and it tells you something. Um, I, I do get pretty hard on myself in writing rooms in situations where I feel like, okay, I'm just, that's too pop. I'm just throwing it away now that I'm not giving it enough thought, you know? And I think the country songwriter um, really tries to push themselves to say it in a way that 
has never been said before, which, mm-hmm. you know, in pop music, I'd argue, isn't always the focus. No. You don't really mind, you know? No, and I think um, for pop music, I mean, it's valid to say there's another side of things, which is more of a subconscious, dreamy lyric that kind of plugs people in it a different way that's not specific, mm-hmm. you know, imagery about country tends to sort of lay it out a little bit more but i think it gives more value in the lyric too because every line's doing some work a lot of pop stuff it's just kind of a general vibe yeah but yeah which i appreciate both i really yeah that's that's what i was trying to say in a long-winded way i think they're both valid yeah and i you know i've kind of taken what i love i think from both areas because what i love about pop music is (laughs) melodically it always challenges me like when I hear a great pop song I'm like that is unbelievable and not that country doesn't but I think what's great about some classic country songs is I mean you don't care what the chords are underneath it you just what they're saying is so jarring and so intimate that that's kind of what makes the song but I think I want to take elements of both of those you Mm -hmm. know and, and kind of blend them in yeah and I think that's a good formula um and one example is Taylor Swift, who's probably a little more pop leaning. Well, a lot now. Yeah. But in her beginning of her career, more pop leaning than you. You're more organic than that. Yeah. But at the same time, I think she was doing that. She was taking some pop sensibility sonically and adding it with a country lyric. Definitely. Yeah. So it's a good, I think that's a winning formula. I think so. Yeah. And I've actually observed, like, when she started working with Max Martin, there was some stuff that they started doing in their choruses that was you know, very formulaic, but it was like ear candy that you yeah. just couldn't get out, you of, your head. Get it out and, of your head. I mean, you can't hate that. That's, no. that's a science. That's, no. You're doing your job well. Well, so. and it's, uh, you know, as a songwriter, and this is a songwriting podcast, although we love to have artists, but you're, you're also a serious songwriter. Yeah. So, um, but in the songwriting world, um, I think writing that lyric like that is just as hard yeah. as writing a very serious song, you know, to pull off a light lyric that works. For me, it is. It's, it's just so as hard. hard. It's oh, hard. Yeah. Maybe harder. It might be because I've tried to write those easy pop songs, and you know, every now and then, it's just it's too hard. It's it's you realize that everything just sounds really cliche. Yeah. It's so a there fine is an art line. to it. Yeah, yeah. For like sure. uh, Spinal Tap, that old rock band parody. <laughs> they said it's a fine line between clever and stupid. Yeah, and that's true. Yes, that's what it so is. So true. Yeah. I'm looking through highlights here, and I know we have a limited time this morning, but I wanted to talk a little bit, because I didn't know this until Dana told me this morning, you've been singing from an early age. Oh, yeah. Long time. Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm uh, one of those weird people that, like, from age seven knew what I wanted to do with my life, so. It does, tell you know. me about that. I, I am fascinated with a seven-year-old who knows what they want. I mean, I'm thinking I was probably about 30 before I realized what I wanted to do in my life. Literally. How do you come up at seven years old and know what you want to do? I mean, it's not a choice. When you're seven and you get attention for something that you do, you're like, oh, I should do that more. So that's usually how it starts. But you're probably really good at it too. Well, I enjoyed it. I mean, from a very young age, I just sang all the time. Like my parents couldn't get me to shut up. So I think my mom being the the type of person that she is and and was, she figured she should channel that into some sort of activity. So open mic nights and school recitals, I just kind of threw myself into it, you know, and I became a very performance based kid. Um, you know, you kind of you start to associate love with like, oh, if I do this, then I'm I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I found purpose in that very early on as right. a kid. 
Who did you, so let's go back to seven-year-old Jillian. Who did you love at that point that really just you loved and you wanted to be like? Uh, Patsy Cline. Patsy Cline. I fell in love with. Yeah, my mom got me her CD when I was very young in Elvis. And those two I basically wore out. And then it was Patty Loveless for a really long time. And um, Lori Morgan was my first concert. Wow, so a lot of country acts. I would have thought you were a little bit more of a rock and pop person. No, So those are all hardcore, great Classic country. Yeah. Well, my mom is from Charleston, South Carolina, so mm-hmm. she only listened to country. And um, we that's all I ever heard. I didn't know there was really other genres of music until I was probably 12. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, I understand. It was only country. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that shaped my my love for music in general. Yeah. Country radio. Well, that's probably why you just sing it so well. You seem oh, so authentic. You. When you did your song earlier that we'll have up, um, you have an ease to your to your delivery that's authentic to me thank you you know well it's yeah i don't when i first moved to town eight years ago i got certain comparisons people used to say like oh you know martine mcbride or carrie underwood my phrasing maybe but i think over the years i've taken a lot of what i used to worship about that and like celine dion and mariah carey you know i sort of took all that and then i started observing people like Lori McKenna and watching her sing. And there was something about the two that I wanted to marry together because Mm -hmm. I love impressive vocals. I think it's amazing, but I really also love it when someone can draw you in with a whisper and you don't know how they did it. And so, you know, I just sort of took the elements of what moved me. And, and I think subconsciously that's how I learned to, to sing the way I sing now. Well, and I also think it's great for you because that is the time we're living in. People like that now. I think it's somewhat in fashion and I think it should be. Mm, yeah. The big, you know, vocal, mo- and, you know, look, if you play live, they still are going to love a big moment. Yeah. But a lot of those vocals, like you said, maybe 10 years ago was a lot of, you know, screeching going on. And I, I think people, I think we're the, the style and what people crave now is what you said. A little more understated, more heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, I know I do. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And I think you're probably referring to, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's there's singers that I love. Linda Ronstadt, you know, was always someone that I really Me admired, too. and and she kind of just comes out with it, like oh, yeah. no holes, you know, nope. holds barred. And I think, um, and Bonnie Raitt, you know, always really impressed me with her yes. vocal styling. But um, yeah, I think you're right. I think in pop right now too, there's a very like sort of almost like a talking singing element going on where you're not really trying you're just right. sort of you know well at the end of the day well you know what here's a tie-in because i know you worked with kenny rogers when you were young yeah one time we saw him on american idol coaching right oh, some yeah. singers yeah and the and a younger singer comes in and doing does this incredible runs you know vocal aerobatics just really crazy mm-hmm. good kenny stops him and he goes hey 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 that's great he goes listen man you're not trying to impress them you're trying to make them cry mm-hmm and I thought that was incredible advice. Such great advice. Because, and I think that gets at the heart of some of these things for me, just for me personally, as a listener, I, I get it, but at the same time, I want the emotion. That's yes. what I love. Yeah. You're actually reminding me, there's this Sam Cooke quote that I love and I always butcher it, but essentially he just says, you know, 
I thank you for saying that, you know, I'm a, I'm a great singer. That doesn't really matter to me. What matters is that when I sing, you feel something. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, and Kenny always said to me and everyone else, whoever was in the room, he'd be like, I'm, I'm not really a singer. I'm an entertainer. You know, right. I'm, he's there to make people laugh and have a great night. Mm-hmm. But he never said he was like, an incredible vocalist, but I mean, look at the career he's had. But he was. It's so, yeah. what it, it's so interesting to me because I've heard that somebody was talking to me the other day about this. Well, Kenny wasn't a great singer. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he, is he was one of the greatest singers ever. <laughs> yeah. Because, be, because man, you felt it. Yeah. Yeah. But I always wondered if he really believed that when he said it. Or if he really was like, well, I know I'm great, but I'm just going to tell people I don't right. think well, I'm Well, I think maybe he was just insecure that he wasn't a technically... Yeah. You know, great singer as far as the runs and the his pitch was pretty good though. Yeah. Oh great. Like really good. Yeah. Well and, and he, he was a musician too. I don't know. Incredible. It's like some look, I like Tom Waits, okay? And then oh, some people say Tom that Waits. sounds like a dog like somebody throwing bowling water on a cat, you know. But I love it. So I love Tom each Waits. Each to his own, you yeah, know. Yeah, I love that you just So said now that. when you're working with Kenny Rogers, how old were you? Uh, I started working with Kenny when I was nine. So I got um, a part in a Broadway play that he had written and was putting on in New York City. I remember. I think I remember that. Yeah. I was at the Beacon Theater for about three months and then he took it on tour for five years and I did that for five years. So, yeah. Wow. Now, did you have a tutor that went with you to do your school? We were homeschooled. Homeschooled. So your mom? mom Our mom. Yeah. I have three sisters. And during that time, we formed a family band. So um, we got we all got computer programs and you know, learned all that. But, you know, we, my mom and my dad were great. They let us all gravitate towards what we were really good at. And it honestly has been the best thing for all four of my, you know, all of us. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I've got four kids and we've been thinking about that because they, they all kind of already are heading on their own paths that are not necessarily conventional. And as a parent, you worry about that, Mm -hmm. but your parents let you kind of do yeah. What they thought you were good at, what you're passionate about. Passion. Well, I think in, with anything in life, wherever you put your passion is where you're going to excel anyway. I, I would rather be really great at one thing than mediocre at a bunch of things. So. And, and you're only shot at, I think, mastering anything and truly mastering it is to love it. Completely. Right. I mean, I just don't yeah. think you can get good enough. We say it on the podcast all the time. You see these writers over here getting these big cuts, doing a type of music you really don't like. Mm-hmm. You do not need to get involved with that. Yeah. Because they actually like that. They're high-fiving when they get done writing it. I might be going, I don't like that, but I'm never going to beat them. Right. They totally. love it. Uh, it's a great I don't love point. it. I'm just yeah. trying to get into their deal and it's huh. never going to work. It's a great point. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably wrestle with that in this industry because yeah. we see things that are working that we might not do naturally. Right. And we're like, should I try, try exactly. to do that? But I've learned just in the last couple of years that I'm very quickly realizing I don't have the heart for it. <laughs> I just can't do yeah, it. Yeah. Well, that's the other, yeah. well, that's what I'm saying. If you're, if you're not passionate and you don't think it's that good or you don't like it or whatever you call it. You can't put into it what right. it requires. Yeah. I'll never. It's a, it's a yeah. very competitive business. And it's, there's so many talented people here in Nashville. It's like, I can't imagine that you could succeed at something you weren't just completely in love with and crazy about. Yeah. I and think... putting your time and your heart into it. Yeah. That's very true. I want to talk about one other thing. So you'd been here a while before you made these last two records, right? Yeah. Yeah. So were you writing that whole time? Yeah. I actually released another EP before these two even came out. Oh, okay. Um, 
with Steve Markland, my publisher at Downtown. Okay, so Steve sure. was in, you know, kind of my champion through all that. Um, yeah, the first five years I was here, or the no, maybe the first three, I was, I was in that mode of um, wanting to just get better as a writer and mm-hmm. just trying to meet as many people as I could. And I said yes to a lot of things. I was actually in a duo with a guy for like the first eight months that I lived here, which was a mistake um one that needed to be made to get to the next mistake yeah, but yeah, sure but yeah and then i worked with a producer um for a while that i i really admired and that didn't go anywhere and and then i met steve markland and steve you know for me meeting steve was one of those moments where i was like i was bartending and miserable and i didn't know what else to do and i got a meeting with him by chance and uh he you know he really put me on a path towards like very intentional um direct approach to what i was doing and gave me the freedom and the the financial help to do that at the time and then that led to my record deal and then yeah we just continued to release music since then so a lot of people don't know about that first ep because it's not on spotify or anything okay Uh, well it's on spotify i'm sorry it's not on itunes but um yeah i mean i I will say, you know, when I signed with the label, I just so happened to go through a very horrible uh, breakup at the same time. And the songs that came from that, as cliche as it sounds, were just, I hadn't written anything like that before. You mean a romantic breakup? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I hadn't quite, you know, put myself into songs that way. You know, before that happened, I was actually trying to avoid writing about relationships and men in general I was like so hell-bent on being the female that didn't write about men I was like I don't I want to say other stuff and I did I wrote and I still do you know but when that when the breakup happened the songs that came out of that um just kind of took me to a different place in my heart and I think it broke down a wall for me where I was like oh I'm allowed to talk about this like I don't have to be like the cool girl that has it all figured out I can be like I'm a human being and this really hurts and this is my truth you know I have a similar experience. Mm. I was never an artist, but as a writer, um, I was here maybe my fourth year, couldn't get anything going. I was going through a divorce that was just hard, Mm. okay? And falling in love with Amy at the same time. It was just, it was the most, well, there were some beautiful things, but in general, it was the most miserable time of my life. Yeah. In those two years, I wrote the biggest songs that I've ever wow, written. Oh, that's amazing. Like yeah. a, a, several. Yeah. They were bigger than I've ever written. And it was, and I was an absolute, mi- I mean, I work, I wrote for DreamWorks and they had a, p- a little writer's room in the basement and a piano. And I would be in there until four in the morning, just weeping, oh my God. crying on the piano. Oh. But I had, I wrote all these songs that were huge. Oh, wow. That's crazy. And How that, ironic it, is that? It, well, you had, you're saying the same story. I, yeah. I guess maybe this opened something in you. And maybe people say, you know, everybody's people are suffering. I mean, people have things that happen and they connect, you know? Yeah. Well, I think suffering, like true suffering is like the common denominator for all of us. And I mean, I'm sure happy people can write really sad love songs, but there, I think that there's a tangible difference when you're really living it where people yes. can feel it. And they I think, can feel it. That's I think right. that's why Adele is Adele because yes. those were very real things for Absolutely. her with that guy. Yeah. And I mean, you know. Yeah. And the other few uh, artists I've worked with sometimes at production level, they were only writing Taylor Swift's one. She was writing about guys in her life. I mean, mm-hmm. they were you you knew their names. Yeah. You know, I think her fans knew their names. Yeah. I worked a lot with Kelly Pickler back in the day. She would never write. Every song she ever wrote was to somebody. 
She um, wouldn't even make a writing appointment. She'd just call you up and say, I need to write a song to this person. <laughs> oh <my laughs> Every God. one of them. Yeah. And it's like, well, but I learned from watching that. That's that works. It does. Versus us getting in a room and making something up. Yeah. I just think that you're right. Cause there's certain songs that I'm like, I only know how to say it like this because of the way it felt in that moment. You know, right. um, there's a song of mine called hate me. And I don't think I could have loved that song, by the way, you. that's on my list to talk to you about. Keep Thanks. going. Well, I don't think I could have written that song had I not had the conversation that morning with my ex that I'd had and then walked into the room with Hillary, Lindsay and Topher and just, I mean, he and I wrote that chorus before she even got in the room because I was like, hey, listen, this is what I should have said to him, but I didn't say it. You know, this is the emotion. And it's such a weird little feeling that you don't really know how to even put your finger on. Yep. But it's like, I want you to be so angry at me that you never want to see me again. Right. Give me give me something yeah. to let me that yeah. I can walk out of here and just say it's good. I don't not yeah. with you anymore. Right. I love that song. I was listening last night. It probably it might be my favorite of all the ones I listened to. Maybe ten songs last night because it is. Uh, but see, that's the thing. It's real, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's also a little area I don't know if I've ever heard anybody talk about. Yeah. But that's I think. That's another great thing is when you can get into something that people relate to, but they've never heard anybody talk about. Again, you're validating their feelings because yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, I've had that horrible thought and she's having it. So it's OK. Yeah. Which it is OK, whatever we feel. I think, you know, I think that's a great message, too, to put into the world. Completely. People are so afraid of what they feel. You know, you you can't control it. No. And I, that song in particular has been one that a lot of people have come up to me after shows and told me very lengthy stories. Yeah. And they're like, I, yeah. I didn't know anyone else understood this the way that, you know, you put it. So that made me feel like we hit something, you know? Yeah. I, I want to talk about two quick things. Yeah. Your song, If I Were You, mm. with Keith, mm-hmm. with Keith Urban. Yeah. How did that come about? Uh, well, It's beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love that song. And that is another song where... I was going through that in the moment um, with my, actually my fiance now. Um, I felt like when I met him, it was the worst time because I was still healing, not even healing. I was grieving. So, you know, that song to me was special regardless. um, And I wrote it with uh, Sarah Buxton and Jordan Reynolds, who I admire both of them Mm -hmm. for their unique talents. And uh, so we'd written it as like a guitar vocal, um, very simple, uh, and my label, Seth England at my label actually was like, oh, what about a feature on this? He's always great about coming up with right. ideas. And I was like, yeah, totally. Like, who are you thinking? And he threw out Keith's name and uh, I laughed at him because I was like, that's mm-hmm. hilarious. But um, I was optimistic and I guess they emailed it over to his manager and Keith heard it and he just wrote back and said, I love it. When can I do it? Wow. Yeah. And How excited were you when you heard that? I mean, I... I was confused, honestly. <laughs> I was like, this is crazy. How is this happening? But I'm I'm one of those people, you'll learn this about me if, you know, as we continue to be friends. I am so scared of um letting things be real because I'm like, oh God, if I say it out loud, then I'll right. jinx it. I'm right. I, I'm, I, yeah. Same way. Unfortunately, I, I knock the floor yeah. all the time. Yeah. So I think I was like, okay, well he'll record it, but then we won't get to release it yeah. or blah, 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 blah. You know, all those things. Well, that's this town. Yeah. Yeah. So you try to brace yourself, you know, yeah. but mm-hmm. then it all kind of went along and it happened and I got to sit in the room with him while he sang it. And he, you know, I was 
very in awe, honestly. Um, I, I love what he's done with his career, and I think he's exceptionally talented. He is crazy talented. Crazy talented. And a, and a sweetheart. Yes, yeah. Great very guy. caring person. Yes, yeah. Like, shockingly uh, caring mm-hmm. person, I think. Yeah. He's a great guy. He is. He is. And really. he is one of the most talented, too. Yeah. So, you know, hearing him sing that song, I mean, I was... Something welled up inside of me where I was like, this is, you know, this is what it feels like when your greatest expectations that you didn't even know you could have hoped for, you know, when something like that happens. And it just kind of floored me, honestly. And then it, it we released it and um, I felt so much support from the town because I know so many of my friends have watched me work at this for a long time and that was kind of the song when when it came out with Keith I hadn't told anyone that it was coming out and so I got all these amazing messages from people and um, so I actually you know I have Keith to thank because something like that those moments kind of validate you in the eyes of your peers you know it's like oh okay well you know she has that song with Keith so to me that was that was a big deal yeah it is a big deal yeah plus and we're gonna wrap this up but it's so great to hear your story seven years you eight know, years, yeah. eight years, yeah. and you're attending bar waiting tables. I didn't both, write, all both. Of it. Okay, yeah. so I mean, you had moments there where you wondered, "Is this going to work?" Right? Yes. I mean, we all misery. Do. Oh, a yeah. A lot of people who listen to podcasts, when we get notes back and emails back, they like that discussion. Yeah. Because I think you know a lot of them might be there. There were moments, right, where you didn't oh, know. Oh my gosh, so many, so many moments, bartending and waitressing, where. I was gritting my teeth and I was getting angrier by the day because wow. I was like, I have to do something to get out of this. Yeah. And that that fire, you know, I was so afraid of getting bitter and I was like, I have to get out. And so that makes you so hungry for the opportunities. Mm-hmm. You start looking and you start searching. And I think I learned how to just keep um, keeping, I kept my eyes forward, right. you know, and because um, I was so scared of yeah, going backwards. You, you focus that energy. Yes, focus on, that energy. On making it happen. Yeah. And every failure we have builds toward our success. Completely. And you really can't be successful without failing. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot. So if you are stumbling, it's like, okay, I'm closer. Yeah. Because I'm now doing that. Completely. And this sounds so cliche, but I'm learning it every day in this career. Those failures, whatever those you think those failures are, thank God for them because they really do. They line your skin with like steel. Yes. It's they. I mean, they it's do. the most powerful thing. They do. When you think you can't go through it and can't take it, you actually will. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to let you go before your manager comes over and hits me in the head. <laughs> thank Jillian you and Jacqueline, so much. Thank Chris, you so much for being awesome. on Pitch List. You were you. It was beautiful and it was so great to get to talk to you. Oh, thank I appreciate you. it. Thank okay. you. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List. And don't forget to head over to our YouTube page at Pitch List Podcast to watch exclusive performances from this episode. And thank you also for all the fantastic five star reviews left on iTunes. We can really spread the word about our podcast that way. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Pitch List. <laughs>